Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church on this second Sunday of Advent. My name is Derek Star Redwine. I'm the interim pastor here at the church. Special welcome to visitors. We are a bit different because you are here today, and for that we give God thanks and praise. As we gather today for worship during this precarious time in the COVID-19 pandemic, I would like to remind you of our COVID-19 protocols. The first is there's no singing, no corporate singing during worship, but we encourage you, if you're able, to hum along. Please keep your masks on while in the building, covering both your nose and your mouth. Do your best to maintain six feet of social distancing, both during and after worship. And at the conclusion of worship, if you could, please exit the sanctuary quickly and choose to fellowship outside on the front steps, the front portico of the church. Thank you for doing your best to observe these simple precautions that extend the love of Christ to all. Now, during this season of Advent, as many of you know, we are called to wait and to watch as we get ready for the birth of Christ. As part of this preparation, today we will be celebrating the sacrament of communion. If you are worshiping with us at home via the live stream or over the radio, I encourage you right now to go to your kitchen and get some bread and juice ready so you can celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. Now, one of the ways we get ready for the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of a God who is with us in all things, is through living out together our commitment to be with one another each and every day of our lives. In the context of a church family, we do this by participating in the ministries and mission and fellowship and worship of the church. And even during this pandemic, there are chances, opportunities for you to be with God and with one another. There's a daily Advent devotional readings. You'll get a text message tomorrow if you have your cell phone number with the church. If not, you can check the website, encouraging folks to read those daily readings and text a friend or two to get their thoughts on the readings. You can also purchase memorial poinsettias for Sunday, November 20th. Some of those poinsettias also need to be delivered to homebound members. If you'd like to volunteer for that, please contact the church office. Small groups keep meeting weekly and monthly. Love of God and Neighbor class meets, the weekly Bible study, the evening circle, Sunday school for adults. All these things are still happening. There are also two ministry mission opportunities on the horizon. We're having a blood drive here at the church on December 19th, and you can purchase items for families with newborns in Honduras through our Kish ministry here at the church. I really encourage you during this season of Advent to find one way to be with one another, to be with God during this Advent season of preparation. We are, after all, the church, the body of Christ here on earth. And thank you for all the ways you participate in Christ's ministry in this particular place. And now let us continue our worship of God this morning with the lighting of the second Advent candle, the candle of peace. As we gather together to worship on this second Sunday of Advent, let us remember God's promises. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We watch and wait for Christ's coming, lighting candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God. We light this candle in hope. We light this candle for peace. Hear God's promise of peace from Isaiah. The wolf shall live with the lamb, leopard shall lie down with the kid, calf and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. 
The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Faithful God, we gather to worship, trusting you are working to restore all of creation to its intended harmony. As we wait for this work to be completed, grant us shalom that we may be reconciled to our enemies in the peace that passes all understanding through Jesus Christ our Lord. God of promise, God of hope, into our darkness come. Please join in listening to our first hymn, Prepare the Way. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 97th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is December the 6th, 2020, and today's broadcast is number 4,968. This morning's sermon, entitled, The Problem Is, will be delivered by Rev. Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our director of music and organist, Christine Anderson, liturgist, and Christine will be joining Audrey Christensen, Stephanie Ald, Anthony Warren, Dan Cook as our choristers. Our opening hymn is Prepare the Way, which is number 13 in the Presbyterian Hymn. On this second Sunday in Advent, we stand in line with all of those who journeyed into the wilderness all those years ago to receive a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. And we stand in that line with them blessed. Blessed because we know more of the story. We know more than those who waited for John to wash away their sins. We know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same grace that forgives us also empowers us to become the body of Christ, ambassadors of Christ's justice, mercy, and peace. Trusting in the purpose and power of God's redeeming love, let us confess together both our need for grace and our reluctance to live in the kingdom prepared for us at the foundation of the world. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we have dwelt in darkness and preferred it to the light. We have been proud of our accomplishments and despaired over our shortcomings. Smooth down the mountains of our pride and lift up the valleys of our doubts. Open a path in the wilderness of our lives that we might find our way to you again. Refine us and prepare us for life in your kingdom.
Christ does not wait to break into our lives when we have it all figured out or have it all together. Christ simply comes. Friends, the good news of Christ is for all people. There is nothing we have done, nothing we have left undone, and nothing we will ever do that will separate us from the love of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. God's love is yours. You are forgiven. Confident of this truth, we wait and hope for Emmanuel, God with us. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out! And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful is coming than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord.
Jesus brought a fresh new message, a new gospel, a new word to our world. And it's a message that heralds both judgment and rebirth. His good news announces a totally different social order, a coming reign of God. And to participate in this new social order, we are called as people of faith to make a journey from darkness to light, from false isolation to true communion, from self-centeredness to living a life in service of others. The one who saves us from our sin also calls us to follow him. And while we love Jesus, we respect him, admire him, if we're honest, most of us, perhaps all of us, hesitate a bit to follow him. And we hesitate, I think, because we know where the journey must begin. Six years ago, in 2014, following a grand jury's decision not to indict police officer Darren Wilson for the death of Michael Brown, Benjamin Watson, an accomplished American, African-American football player who's played for multiple teams over two decades, after the indictment was not passed down, he posted a comment on his Facebook page just hours after the Ferguson grand jury decision. In his post, Mr. Watson explained why he, as an African-American male, was, and he listed these feelings, angry, frustrated, fearful, embarrassed, sad, sympathetic, offended, confused, introspective, and hopeful. It was a really thoughtful post with a conclusion that really grabbed my attention and the attention of others. At the end of his post, Mr. Watson explained why, despite all the racial prejudice and class warfare, he explained why he still remained encouraged. I'm encouraged, he wrote, because ultimately the problem is not a skin problem, he wrote. It's a sin problem. Sin, he argued, is the reason we rebel against authority. Sin is the reason we abuse the authority we've been given. Sin is the reason we are racist and prejudiced and lie to cover for our own. Sin is the reason we riot and loot and burn. But I'm encouraged, he went on. I'm encouraged because God has provided a solution for sin through his son, Jesus, and with it, a transformed heart and mind. One that's capable of looking past the outward and seeing what is truly important in every single human being. The cure for the Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, and Eric Garner tragedies is not education or exposure, he wrote. It's the gospel. So finally, I'm encouraged because the gospel gives humankind hope. Well... You see, the problem is it's Democrats. Wait a minute, no, no. It's Republicans. No, wait. It's Black Lives Matter. No, it's right-wing evangelicals. No, it's immigrants. The problem is, no, the problem is greed. No, it's pride. No, wait, lust. Fear? Fear, that's it. The problem is fear. No, wait, the problem is the, the breakdown of the traditional family or the gap, the growing gap between the rich and the poor, or maybe it's our insatiable appetite for violence. The problem is, the problem is there are so many answers to this question. Ask a hundred people, hey, what's the problem in the world today? What's the problem we are facing? And you'll get a hundred different answers. But I'm guessing, I'm only guessing, that only a handful of people, if anyone, would say, the problem is our sin. In our multicultural, interfaith, postmodern world, using such religious language, such narrow language, to describe the source of all of our troubles feels inauthentic and to some even a bit lazy. Trying to make the case that the complex problems of our world and our nation and our city and the church can all be boiled down to the presence of sin feels like a gross oversimplification. And yet sin... Sin is the exact place where the good news of Jesus Christ begins. The gospel of Jesus Christ begins with people journeying into the wilderness to stand in line with others, 
to receive a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sin. Before Jesus could get to work on the problems of the world, he first needed to address the problems, the problem with our hearts. Despite the fact they were baptized on the same Sunday and raised in the same church, Jane and Sally lived very different lives, happens. Jane, Jane cheated and swindled her way through life. She often disregarded the rules, and she succumbed to all manner of temptations. Sally, on the other hand, good old Sally, she was the model Christian, always choosing to do the right thing, not the wrong. Surprisingly, shockingly, Sally and Jane died the very same day in heaven, standing next to each other in that line, waiting to pass through the pearly gates, each, each preparing, was preparing for a very different welcome from Peter. Jane expected to get a good talking to from God. All those years of disregarding God's laws would certainly have a price to be paid. Perhaps that was why she was so surprised, shocked even, when she got to the gate and St. Peter just smiled and let her on in. Sally, on the other hand, after all those years of doing the right thing, she expected at least a pat on the back as she passed through the gates. Perhaps that is why she was so shocked, surprised even, when St. Peter stopped her on her way in, pulled her aside and said, Sally, I hope you know how fortunate you are to be here. Jane and Sally lived very different lives, but it was Sally, the good one, who had succumbed to the greater temptation. It was Sally who had struggled to acknowledge the depth and breadth of her sin. When push comes to shove, I have to agree with Benjamin Watson's assessment. We have a sin problem. Sin is at the root of every struggle humanity faces. Aside from natural disasters that befall everyone, sin is to blame for most of the things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Sin is why radical extremists justify the killings of innocent people. Sin is why the rich hoard and the poor covet. Sin is what keeps the wheels of systemic racism turning and turns peaceful process into riots. Sin is why good people say and do really stupid things. Sin is at the root of all the problems that have plagued humanity from the beginning. But that's really only half the story. Sin is not only the root cause of injustice. Sin is also what prevents people from getting involved in solving the problems that are caused by our collective sin. And that, in my estimation, is by far the greater tragedy. The true power of sin, I think, lies in its ability to both create problems, we all know about that, but it also stops people from working to solve them. The same pride that prevents us from admitting our faults is what causes us to pass by on the other side when someone else is in need. The same shame that traps us in a web of self-hatred is what tricks us into believing that there is nothing we can do to help them. The same self-hatred that makes us believe that we are not possibly good enough for God is what makes it easy for us to hate the other. Sin, after all, at its core is about separation. Separation from our true selves, separation from one another, separation from God, of course, and perhaps most importantly, separation from the work we are called and equipped to do. The longer I do this work of ministry, the more I see history repeat itself, both in churches and in society, the more I'm convinced that nothing will be solved in the world until it's first solved in our hearts. I'm starting to wonder if we hesitate as a people, as individuals, as a church sometimes, to get involved in the problems out there because we haven't allowed ourselves to experience the full power of God's grace in our own lives I wonder if we don't believe God's love can heal all divisions, all injustice, all brokenness, because we hold back the most broken and divided parts of ourselves. I wonder if we don't believe God's love can really do extraordinary things outside the walls of this church, 
because we don't think God's love can do extraordinary things for us. Whenever Father Gregory Boyle saw Pedro walking the streets, he would offer him a trip to rehab every single time. And every time he saw Pedro walking the streets, he would say to Father Boyle, that's okay, G, I'm okay. One day, much to Father Boyle's surprise, Pedro changed his answer, and he got in the car with Father Boyle, went to rehab, and began his long, hard journey back to himself, back to the world. Well, 30 days into his rehab, Pedro's younger brother, Johan, he did the unthinkable. He took his own life. The world around him was just too much for him to handle. When Father Boyle called Pedro with this news, Pedro was, of course, devastated. But now that he was 30 days sober and thinking with a clear mind and feeling with a clear heart, he allowed the pain to settle into his core instead of putting it in some corner to fester. When Father Boyle arrived at the rehab center to take Pedro to the funeral, they didn't speak for about 15 minutes in the car. They just sat there in an awkward and uncomfortable silence, neither sure what to say to the other. Pedro finally broke the silence by telling Father Boyle about a dream, a dream he had had the night before. In the dream, Pedro and Father Boyle were in this large, empty room alone. There were no lights in this room, no external light coming in, no exit signs offering a little bit of hope. It was complete and total darkness. Pedro said that despite the presence of that darkness, he knew, somehow he knew that Father Boyle was in the room with him, even though words were being spoken between them. Suddenly, after a while, in the dark silence, Father Boyle retrieved a flashlight from his pocket and turned it on. Slowly, deliberately, he found the light switch in the room and shined a beam of light on it. No words spoken, no explanation offered, no promise of a better tomorrow, just a beam of light on a switch on the wall. Pedro, in the dream, stood up. He realized he was the one that had to go and turn on the switch. He was the one who had to walk through the darkness to the light Slowly, with trepidation, he did that. He made his way to the switch. He took a deep breath when he got there, and he turned it on. The room was flooded with light. As Pedro finished his story, his eyes were full of tears, and with a voice of astonishing discovery, he said, and the light, the light is better. It's better than the darkness. I guess my brother, he just never found the switch. Sin is not as powerful as we think it is. In our minds, we imagine sin to be an impenetrable fortress that cannot be moved. But that's a lie sin loves to tell. Sin is not a mighty fortress. It's a house of cards that comes tumbling to the ground when we let God into our hearts to transform us from the inside out. We don't have to be defined by our sin, and the really good news is that the world doesn't have to be either. The problem is, the problem is our sin, and our sin has been defeated. All that's left for us to do is to begin the journey where it starts. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, we are told, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Our journey with Christ begins in the last place most of us want to be, standing in line with sinners in the middle of nowhere. But until we let the good news 
of God's love be received and speak to us in that place, in our own present darkness, until we hear and believe the good news is for us and for others, we will struggle mightily to live out Christ's commands to love and to serve and to forgive. Until we know that love, we will have a really hard time sharing it. The same grace that redeems us also empowers us to love one another and to do the hard, meaningful work of justice and reconciliation. And once we accept that good news, I believe there is no issue, no injustice, no struggle. That with God's help and the partnership of others cannot be overcome. Not a single one. Amen. Please join in listening to our second hymn, hymn number 10, on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, The Problem Is, which was delivered by Reverend Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Our second hymn is On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist's Cry, which is number 10 in the Presbyterian Hymn. Stand as you are able and join with me as we confess the faith of our baptism. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. 
We come to that part of worship now where we give back a portion of that which God has given us. We respond to God's endless mercy and grace by sharing a bit of ourselves with the world and with the church. Thank you for all the ways you give, not only to Grace Covenant, but to other organizations and people. Every act of generosity ushers in God's kingdom. Thank you for all the ways you give.
Please be seated. As we gather around Christ's table, I want to take a moment to thank all of you who remembered to bring with you today non-perishable items for Feedmore, Central Virginia's main hunger relief organization. I apologize, we apologize, we didn't remind any of you, so if you remembered, I'm really, really impressed. Um, we are trying a new practice here at the church. On the first Sunday of the month, when we celebrate communion, we're encouraging you to bring non-perishable food items to church that we can give to feed more. We're hoping this practice will remind us that this table of nourishment and strength and forgiveness and new life extends beyond the walls of this church. So thanks again. Very impressed with those who remembered. Um, and I apologize for forgetting to remind you of that. And now, as we gather together as the people of God around this table of grace, please join me in the prayer of great thanksgiving. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, when the time was right and the hour had come, you sent your servant John into the wilderness to proclaim the coming of your Messiah. John came to bear witness to the true light that was coming into the world to redeem and empower. God of love, on this second Sunday of Advent, we have heard your servant crying out to us in the wilderness. We have heard the call again to repentance and restoration. We have heard that you are offering forgiveness. We want to hear and respond to your mercy. We have heard that you are baptizing with water and with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and we want our hearts to burn with your passion for the world. We have heard, O oh God, that you are ushering in a reign of peace, and we want to see your kingdom when it comes. And so we gather around this table that is both a fulfillment of your promised presence and a foretaste of what is to come. We gather around this table to be fed and strengthened and to offer prayers for your world. We pray, O oh God, for the poor, for the hungry and the needy. We pray for those who are spiritually hungry and poor in spirit. We lift up to you, O oh God, those who face this holiday season alone because of sickness or homelessness or isolation. We pray for first responders, for police, for firefighters, for members of our military who seek to serve the people of this nation. God, we pray for our community of faith, for those in this church who feel disconnected from you, from each other, from the world. We lift up to you, God, those among us who are struggling to find purpose and peace. God, we ask that this meal would inspire all of us to a life of action and mission born from the awareness of your redeeming love. God of endless mercy, by the power of your spirit, we ask that this bread and this cup would be transformed into a true communion with you, a communion that inspires us to invite others to your table of grace and to your font of new life. God, the hour of your coming again draws near. Make us ready in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. In your mercy, hear this prayer, the silent prayers on our hearts this day, and the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, in the night of his arrest, he took some bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant shed in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, an amazing thing happens. We proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord. We profess the good news of the gospel, even as we wait for Christ to come. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Now for those listening at home, you are now invited to turn to those around you 
passing bread and cup, saying the bread of life and the cup of salvation. For those here at the church, we ask you come forward by the center aisle to one of two tables up front. You'll find a gluten-free option for those who need it in the middle in the white little, um, I don't know what those are called, but they're white and they've got bread in them. And you'll tell me after church what they're called, please. You'll also find communions in prepackaged containers. There's two tabs on top as a reminder. The first tab you pull back, the clear tab, will open up the bread. The second tab will open up the juice. Once you've received your prepackaged communion elements, please go back to your pews, eat it once you sit down, partake when you are ready. And if you need me to come and bring the elements to you, just raise your hands and I will do that. Come, all is ready. Let us pray. God, thank you for the reminder this meal provides, reminder of your unending love for us and commitment to come to us. Help us remember, God, that your love does not arrive in a vacuum. It arrives in a world that is broken, struggling, broken and struggling with sin and its power. May this meal not only redeem us, may it empower us to be ambassadors of your grace in this world. May we come to believe because of this bread and cup more fully and deeply in all that we are capable of with you, all that your love can do in and through us. Thank you for your unimaginable grace and the hope it provides us and your world. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. final hymn is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, which is number five in the Presbyterian Hymnal.
as I watched and heard most of you struggling to open your communion packets, I was reminded on this Sunday of all Sundays, we are in this together. We all struggle. We all struggle to accept and receive and internalize love. So my charge to you today is be tender with yourself and with others as you wait for Christ to come. Be patient with yourself and with others as you wait again for Emmanuel, God with us. And as you wait, may the presence of God fill your dark valleys and level your rugged mountains so the way of the Lord would be made ready in you. May the power of the Holy Spirit make the rough places in your life smooth and your heart open to grace. And may the Lord come unto you and bless you and shine forth from you both now and forevermore. Amen. For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. Just a reminder that there will be an American Red Cross blood drive here at the church on Saturday, December the 19th between 8.30 and 1.30 p.m. Please contact the church for more information. You can call 359-2463. Your announcer today has been John Harris and the engineer was Steve Kemp. 
This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES 590 on your AM dial and 97.7 on your FM dial. 